Hey folks, it is your host, Jason, whatsoever through. Uh, welcome to our kind of, you know, our remote podcast Bible study. For those of you who can't make it in, in person for for the studies, um, you know, here we go. And uh, just another resource for you. If you're interested, whatsoeverisTrue.com. Go check that out. That's where the blogs are. And, you know, kind of kind of like I'm a chatterbox in real life. Well, I write a lot too. So um, here you go. The... Uh, Message today, of course, this is Easter week, and I wanted to discuss a little bit about the security we have in Christ, right, with the moments of suffering we have, you know, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and what that means, what what Christ and the cross mean for us, kind of in the here and now, when we're going through some struggles and tribulations. You know, what is the meaning of it and how do we cope with it? Are we supposed to be stoics to just go, oh, you know, it is what it is. And, and you know, that has the appearance of, of this sort of stoic character. And you can admire people who don't complain and whine, especially in this day and age. But uh, that's not a Christian virtue. Stoicism is not a Christian virtue. Faith is. So the scripture text today is from Mark uh, chapter 14, verses 41 and 42. And it reads... He And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It's enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hand, hands of sinners. Rise up. Let us be going. See? My betrayer is at hand. And uh, that is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. That is uh, God's holy and life-giving word. And it tells us quite a bit right there, especially let's be going when he says, my betrayer is at hand. <clears throat> the first thing to get is that Christ is never surprised by anything. He's, he was a God-man. He was God in the flesh. And for the saved Christian who knows the mercy of God at the cross, this is a great lesson, okay? It's not always obvious. So that's what we're, we're talking about today. When trials come, we're, we're often, I know I am, I mean, I'm surprised, so I bet you are too, but the Lord isn't. We're surprised because we have a false view of life, which is based usually on our previous principles of humanism, right, that we're saved out of. That's a default setting, right, of humanism. And humanism's basic premise is that I'm a little God, and I may not be the God, but I'm the God of me, and I deserve to be happy, right? And so we end up, because of that that's default setting, we confuse comfort with righteousness, we confuse ease with holiness, right? We think everything's going our way, so I must be doing pretty well, right? <clears throat> so we think our struggle in life is financial or like vocational, and it's not against sin. The highest goal for the Christian, which we're moving forward to achieve, is to glorify God and conform to the image of Christ. Our circumstances here on earth don't define us but they do refine us, all right? They, uh, you know, so it's very easy to look at life kind of like Job's friends and think, well, something bad's happening to this person. They must be a sinner. Um, <clears throat> we've got to get a, a biblical perspective of this. This is a big subject, the problem, the so-called problem of evil and all that. Um, so when bad things are happening to us, it's very easy to just think God is remote and there's just something wrong, right? Our, we confuse comfort with holiness, uh, we, we have a tendency, I know I've done this in previous parts of my life, 
when things would go wrong, of course, I would kind of turn on God. Maybe I wouldn't be like really outward in my, my expressions and my animosity toward him, but I would definitely be a little bit more quiet, right? A little less quick to praise and maybe a little bit perfunctory with it. And I'm, I'm ashamed to admit, but uh, that's sort of the, the way it, it, it was. I didn't see faithfulness as my highest goal in life and, and God and relationship with him as the highest good. You know, the, the fellowship with him as being the integral thing, the essential thing of my very existence. I sort of let my outward circumstances define me too much. So <clears throat> in Christ, through faith alone, you know, not by any of, of my personal merit or your personal merit, uh, because of faith alone in Christ, God sees Christ in us. All right, that's the thing to remember when we're suffering. So if you really are going through some tough times and, and, and you're having a problem, remember that Jesus asked Saul in Damascus Road why he was persecuting him him, Christ. That's an amazing statement, right? That's what I mean. It's very, it should be obvious, but it's not to us because of the aforementioned principles of humanism. If you are in Christ, your life and struggles matter infinitely more than you can fathom because you aren't alone in this, right? He didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, you know, Stephen? Why are you persecuting such and such? Why are you persecuting me? So if you're going through struggles and trials, if you are being persecuted, and I know this is a day and age where people are, there's people still you know, standing on their faith against the tide of the world, and, and they're, they're facing financial hardship, they're facing you know, real persecution, um, <clears throat> and, they're, and, they're, and they're having difficulties, they are persecuting Christ in you, so you're not alone. So the other thing is, of course, if you worry, um, you have anxiety and regret, and all these things rob you of your peace of mind, we need to take solace in a few things. Um, first of all, before we even go there, let's remember, if these things are coming because of sin, then we need to repent of that sin. We need to change and, and head the other direction. But it, let's just say insofar as we're not suffering because of the consequences of sin. In other words, like if you're a thief and you get caught, now you're in jail and you're, you know, that your problem is you're a thief. You got to stop, stop doing that. You need to pray and, and repent of that. Uh, you know, if you're having an affair and you're, you know, you're, you need to repent of that. You need to stop that behavior. That's not what, what I'm talking about. But uh, if you are just struggling, you have general struggles in life. First, we see that the disciples, despite having our Lord with them, you know, from the, from the verse we just read, and they were able to touch him, speak with him. They were, they were able to, to ask him questions. And yet, they were still struggling. Life's tumult still took them by surprise. And like us, they fretted and worried that circumstances would turn against them at any instant. That's why they were so fretful. Remember them in the boat when they were uh, in the storm and uh, they were taking on water and, and how they feared for their lives? You know, aren't they like us? Don't we succumb to dread in our live storms too? But what did they do? They went to Jesus, and so should we. The storm took them by surprise precisely because they expected it all to be well in many cases. And that isn't logical. It's not biblical either. That's not a biblical expectation. And, and that's something we want to be considerate of. That's like a boxer who doesn't train for the fight, who's out of shape, who's lazy, who's not expecting to get punched in the beak. We should always stay dressed for action. 
Luke 12, 35. Being off guard is a sign of a heart that's wrong, that's wrongly thinking that the Christian life is a life of like vacation. But we aren't saved for life on a cruise ship. We are saved to his battleship. And we need to man our station. You're in a war. You're in a spiritual war. They hated him and now they hate you. Weren't his disciples sleeping instead of staying on guard that night in the garden? The Bible never promises Christians an absence of trouble here under the sun. You know, that's the thing. It comes from the humanistic notion that I should have everything and be comfortable. And then when something bad happens, we can't figure it out. And the funny thing about it is that when we're saved, we have to realize the cross is what we deserve. We deserve that punishment and more. We deserve it eternally. We're the, we're the ones that Christ died for. We shouldn't be surprised by su- the suffering that sin causes. Dismayed, yes. Heartbroken, yes. Downcast, yes. Turned to God in prayer, yes. But we're often surprised by problems, not by ease. We think we should have it easy. So evil days and unhappy events will, of course, catch us. It's just going to happen because it's still this present evil age. But still, God promises that he will never be taken by surprise, and we won't be broken by them nor separated from him through them. So yeah, we are going to struggle with our worries and anxieties. So did the disciples, and they lived with Jesus in the flesh. So the truth is that it simply isn't given to us to know the times and seasons and, and of things, and we should stop trying to do that. If they, you know, the disciples didn't know, we won't know either. So if they were taken by surprise by things, we shall be too, uh, that we shouldn't be basing our, the security of our faith on that, all right? Okay, so once again, I go back down to the, sec- the second point here. Jesus wasn't surprised. I mean, he says, hey, my betrayer's at hand. He isn't blindsided by the events. And we can calm our souls and quiet our fears and extinguish the fires of worry more surely than knowing the, the future in, in, imminently than by knowing that God knows all things ultimately and completely, right? I mean, more than just knowing something coming up. And there's a lot of people, you know, horoscopes and so forth, and they're trying to get ahead of the game. But to have Jesus Christ is to be ahead of the game. And to have him is the game. He knows fully at every step, and he's prepared to meet every situation. Our goal is to be faithful to him, not to be him. He knows all the times and seasons we don't. This is the antidote to the overly emotional Christian who's swinging all the time to and fro, who's always up, upset and, and uh, you know, you're, you're tempestuous and, and moody and, and these things keep happening to you. We need to rest in Christ. Christ knows all, he's above all, and is never off his, his throne. When a storm arises out of the dark, you have him to run to. And like Jesus in the garden, that we know whatever God chooses will be ultimately good. Though he might slay us, we are still to praise and trust him. This is faith, guys. This is the truth. This is the peace that we seek and, and, and that we can have in Christ. And We know that our circumstances, though they might master us for a moment, have met their match in Jesus Christ. Though we might lose now and again, we revel in the knowledge that Christ went willingly to the cross and triumphed over us. So, we might lose, but we won't be broken. He didn't go against his will, because nobody's going to prevail against him, right? He went for the joy set before him, 
so that he might be the firstborn among all who believe and put their trust in him. That he was raised from the dead should forever quiet us in the moments of pain and rejection and fear. God hasn't momentarily taken a coffee break. He hasn't lost track of us. He doesn't need to go to a plan B because his plan is never frustrated in the first place. So, let's look again at the sequence of events. Jesus is bold even in the face of his betrayer and pending execution because he's been in prayer and he's taken his petitions to the Father. If we are ever to find true solace as Christians, we must be praying Christians and we know, must know the word. If we pray but don't know his word, then we often are praying in a blindness to a God we don't know. And, and that's kind of traumatic. There's a great mistake we ought to steer clear of, and that is seeking the blessings of the Lord, but not the Lord himself. Indeed, the Lord is our portion. Knowing and following him is blessedness. Too often, we end up relying on things and experiences rather than him. In such cases, hardships are sure to abound since his, he disciplines those he loves and hardship is meant in many cases to wean us off of our reliance on the world. You know, we're always looking to, uh, to decompress. Instead of prayer, you know, we're looking for things to mollify us. We're looking for things to ameliorate our, our stress and so forth instead of Christ. <clears throat> okay, so the man or woman of the Lord rest assured in these storms, they can say, my heart isn't troubled or afraid because I have Christ. Not that those things aren't going to hit you, but they're not going to dominate you. And this isn't your own doing, and this isn't by your own power. This isn't, it's kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, dude. This isn't human grit or effort, but simple and beautiful faith. Faith. If we won't stand firm in faith, we're not going to stand firm at all. That's Isaiah 7. We'll have no rest, no peace, until and unless we have him and his life-giving word. So, are you hurting? Are you scared? Throw yourself upon him. Go in prayer. Cry if you need to. And, and cry to him and praise him, that, that, that the one that's endured all for you, right? That went to the cross for you. So you're thinking, this is Easter Sunday. And you think, well, yeah, if you haven't repented of your sin and turned to Christ and, and, and throwing yourself unhesitatingly on him for salvation. You need to do that. But I'm kind of talking to those who already have and are struggling now with some of the day-to-day. So don't ever forget that before the glory of the empty tomb on Sunday, there was all that darkness on Thursday night. I mean, think about what the disciples are going through on Friday and on Saturday. That's kind of like what we go through. I don't believe this has happened, Right? God brought redemption to us in the most astonishing way. And he will work out in your life in astonishing ways too. The thing to remember is the only really evil thing that's ever happened on the earth, insofar as justice is concerned, was the unlawful arrest and murder of the sinless Son of God. When we have something bad happen to us, the real question ought to be, why hasn't something worse happened to us? I know that sounds weird, doesn't it? It sounds bizarre, but it's true. I deserve far worse than I'm going to get and I ever could get. I deserve eternal damnation. The fact that I'm breathing right now, even to make this podcast, is a mercy. And he endured all of that for us in love. That really needs it. That should seep in and continue to saturate our souls 
So in our pains and our confusion, we need to keep this in mind. So these Thursday nights will come for us too. These Friday mornings, they will come for us too. You know, the, the, the darkness that fell over the, the, the land when Christ died. They're going to come. We're going to have those moments. We need to stay dressed for action. The great mistake, as I said earlier, is for a boxer to think, you know, that he's going to win every fight with one punch. Everything's going to be easy. And he isn't, therefore, ready for the struggle. And it's like that for Christians, too. Be ready. But no, always know that Sunday morning is always on that horizon. That tomb is empty. We're guaranteed that truth. We're guaranteed that victory in Christ. We don't want to turn back and become lazy with that, though. We don't want to go, oh, well, everything will be hunky-dory, and let's just let our guard down. And be like uh, any—how uh, many times has that happened? The, the great boxer loses the eye of the tiger. He stops training. He stops being vigilant. He stops thinking of himself as vulnerable. You know, as Peter got, became overconfident, and, and Jesus warned him, you, the devil will sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. I prayed for you um, that you'll still stand. And so that's what we need to do. Continue to remember that and continue to remember the disciplines of the Christian life that are good for us. The same thing people, the same way you feel good when you're eating well and you're getting some exercise, you're going to feel so much better. Those are pale comparisons to you, but I got to use them here in the earthly way. The disciplines of scripture reading and prayer and fellowship, listening to podcasts like this and other things of that nature that build your faith muscles up so that you're ready to stand. Okay, and you st- you stay dressed for action. All right, so hopefully again, again, this was helpful. This was edifying. And it, it was God glorifying, and it, and it, as always, I'm always trying to help you understand that that this isn't a game. I mean, this is a real thing, and and we have all of the, pr- the promises and the treasures of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit right now at our disposal, and we need to avail ourselves of it. We need to continue to to train and to work out our salvation in joy, yes, and in fear and trembling. And uh, hopefully this was was helpful toward that end. Once again, check out whatsoeverstrue.com and uh, the blogs on there. This one is under the heading, uh, The Truth About Suffering and Persecution. When you read the blog, you'll notice I write it a little differently than I actually do it this way because, uh, you know, I, I just think the spoken word is a little different than the written word, just by way of explanation. And uh, and I, anybody who's been to the Bible studies will see on the, the the blog, if you go to the Bible study and the blog, and you read the blogs, you'll notice that I, I oftentimes will combine several of them with, with certain sections because of time restraints. But uh, all of it, again, is, is hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's God-glorifying and it builds up your faith. So you get like massive, mighty, heavyweight champion level faith, right? So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed it and I'll catch you next time.